0: podcast episode one. I am your host Amy Belair. I am so happy that you're here and I'm so fucking excited to be starting this podcast. Seriously, it's very, very inspired. I'm really intending to open up a conversation that normalizes the experience of spiritual awakening and contributes to bringing that concept and that experience more and more into the mainstream. So thank you very much for joining me. Please forgive the amateur quality of my audio if it sounds that way to anyone who's very sensitive. I am literally recording this with my earbuds on my phone. And it's because I don't have a microphone, I do not have very much tech experience, but I have all the friggin' passion and excitement in the world, and it's just bursting forth from my heart to start this podcast. I I simply cannot allow myself to be held back by any bullshit excuses that feed my limiting beliefs and my fears anymore. I just have to go ahead and start, so please love me in all of my amateur glory. Okay, that disclaimer is over. So this first episode is all about my spiritual awakening journey. And I feel compelled to share it because when I, like at various points while I have been going through my long spiritual awakening unfolding, I have felt like a freak and a misfit. And I have felt um, like, like I just wanted to find somebody else's story that I could relate to that I could see myself and in their story and feel like oh okay this is what's going on and it's not just me and I'm not crazy or I'm not just a flaky weirdo that for some reason is like one of my biggest fears that I'm like a hippie flaky weirdo. I don't know why, because that's actually not that bad of a thing. But anyway, this a fear I have. So I spent—I don't know. I can't even—I can't even rack up the amount of time over the years. A lot of time looking for other people's stories and absolutely drinking them in for the validation of what I was going through. And that's why I'm starting this podcast, and that's why I'm sharing my story, um, in case any of you are looking for the same kind of thing um, in case anything that I've been through makes you feel less alone and less crazy and less like a flaky hippie weirdo or whatever your weird shadowy thing is. Okay, so I'm going to dive right in, my friends. I'm going to start with childhood. So I'm going to start off by coming right out and admitting that I felt like a pretty normal child. I wasn't, I don't recall being, you know, visited by any spirits or um, frightened by any ghosts or shadow figures. I don't recall any kind of spontaneous astral projection or lucid dreaming. Um, Yeah, like I feel like I was a pretty normal kid and I really, really, really want to say this because... As I've been through my journey and looking for validation um, through other people's stories, I ended up feeling super discouraged by the number of stories that were out there about people who, you know, were born um, with their psychic gifts all open. And because that wasn't my experience, I spent years invalidating myself and saying, literally saying, I wish I was psychic and completely, completely invalidating all of my strong psychic gifts because they didn't torment me in childhood so if that was your experience that you had like a really intense psychic childhood I'm throwing you no shade at all honestly I can't even imagine I had the benefit of feeling pretty safe and normal when I was really little Um, so your story is certainly not invalid but neither is the story of the person who felt like a normal kid and didn't have any intense psychic experiences to their knowledge. Okay, so that public service announcement aside, um, so I felt like a pretty normal kid. Certainly, I was very precocious and totally a turd, um, but some things that I do remember about myself as being like a little bit special is that i always wanted to be a mother um, very strongly like not just thinking it would be fun but like a soul calling like i was born into this life remembering how much i am connected to the archetype of the mother and how much i deeply want to be involved in all aspects of that experience of motherhood so that was pretty cool because it felt like even though I wasn't um necessarily like a a a super open psychic child I came in with my set of instructions my mission and I remembered it early on and I've really never forgotten it um so so that was pretty neat I also had this funny <laughs> funny um daydream that I would constantly run through my mind through the years, like somewhere, I don't know, from like maybe four through to 10 years old or something like that, where I imagined myself standing at a podium in front of a massive crowd of tens of thousands of people. It was the country of Yugoslavia. I think this is because my grandfather is Yugoslavian and I just had an awareness that there was war and strife in Yugoslavia. Anyway, so I'm standing at the podium in front of the entire country of Yugoslavia, and they have all stopped to listen to me speak this message channeled through my crown, through my heart, through my throat, and it is a message of such universal peace and love that somehow... The, all of the people who receive this message lay down their arms, set aside their conflict, realize the absurdity of, of the reasons that we fight with each other, the reasons that we, we other each other, <laughs> and, and somehow they magically forget all of their war and strife, and world peace is achieved through the power of my channeling. yes that is an actual daydream that I've frequently had if my sisters ever listen to this they will probably laugh at how drama I am Um, but yes so even though I don't now as an adult think that I'm going to bring world peace through my channeling I believe that I knew that I would be a contributor to to the big shift that we're experiencing as a collective consciousness through my ability to channel and through sharing my words. So yeah, I came in with a mission and that was pretty cool. I also had like an awareness of the, um, the conscious magic that imbues everything. Um, even a sentient things in our world, like pebbles and trees and you know the things that we usually sort of just write off as being like blah like you know just there I as a little girl I remember just knowing like being able to see the consciousness the magic in every object and that was pretty cool too but apart from that I was precocious I was um A touch melodramatic with my emotions I felt things passionately let's put it that way my moon is in Leo so I feel things big and I was definitely a turd so moving on from my early childhood from the ages of 10 to 13 I I still felt pretty regular as far as I remember but I think it was around this time that I started questioning the concepts of God and Jesus I should say that I was raised Unitarian and um, that that was pretty nice it was gentle I don't feel like I was forced to go to church or forced to um, comply with religious dogma that didn't make sense to me it felt more like a gentle exposure like it was just offered to me as concepts and I was free to sift through those concepts and allow them to affect me in whatever way I wanted and release things that didn't work that doesn't that isn't to say that I didn't you know go through a phase of like deeply fearing going to hell but I think like I just realized at a certain point that that took a lot of energy and I wasn't a bad person so I couldn't I just felt like I can't keep up this fear it takes too much energy from me i can't do anything if i'm this afraid and also i was very 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 fortunate to be raised in a family where hell was not a threat that was ever uttered no one ever told me i would be going to hell within my own family of origin and i'm so so thankful for that furthermore i don't even remember hearing that at church I think the first time I really heard it and and you know it's it's the first time it sticks out to me was um at summer church camp which was also a super lovely church camp for the most part but you know like it was a church camp so you get christian messaging and I I just remember having a conversation once when I was like between the ages of 10 and 13 about um reincarnation and I remember my camp counselor just told me that um reincarnation isn't real that we we as Christians don't believe in that and we go like we believe that we die we live this one life and then we die and we either go to heaven or hell and I I remember like not I don't think I argued with her maybe I was pretty argumentative but I do remember being like well okay maybe you as Christians believe that but I definitely believe in reincarnation. Like, I I just know I've been here before, and also I remember having a conversation I think the same year about First Nations people and um, all the people in the world. But I, I'm Canadian, so I was it was in the context of First Nations people prior to the arrival of um, Europeans and European Christians about how I'm a white person too so this is I'm obviously going to betray this with the the way that I explain this but I remember saying which is a gross oversimplification I remember saying that the way that they live in harmony with nature that's the gross oversimplification is so beautiful and aligned I didn't use the word aligned but that's what I meant. they couldn't possibly have gone to hell, especially since they had never heard of Jesus. And my camp counselor said, well, they they did go to hell because Jesus is the only way to heaven. And, um, you know, good people don't go to heaven, Amy. Good Christians go to heaven. And that was just her belief. And I respect her right to have her belief. And I did even at the time. But that was the real... Um, the real line in the sand for me where I was like okay I can't identify as Christian even though I do believe in Jesus I believe that he is a powerful a powerful being um I don't purport to understand the mystery of the being that was Jesus that lived on earth but um I believe that Christ energy is very real and present today and is an incredibly beautiful energy and a beautiful consciousness that inspires me and to which I aspire. So anyway, that was my line in the sand where I was like, well, I can't I I can't call myself a Christian or be a Christian because that is bullshit and it makes no sense to me why would there only be one path to heaven and salvation what does god hate us like why would that be so it makes no sense anyway so that was me between around the ages of 10 to 13 wrestling with the things that i had learned in my cultural setting and then as a teenager i don't know what happened to my thoughts i think hormones happened and then i saw Romeo and Juliet in the theater when it was first released and just it totally brainwashed me into like obsession with romance and that soulmate connection and I don't know like it was just a powerful elixir that I drank as my little 14 year old self in the theater and yeah I just kind of became boy crazy I think which makes me sound like okay I wasn't promiscuous I was just I loved the idea of a boyfriend and um, being in love and all that stuff is what I mean and and I a lot of my focus went to that that's what used up a lot of my conscious mind and wanting to be pretty oh oh my god wanting to be pretty (sighs) I was not a pretty little girl I mean I was cute whatever like no hate to me little girl me but nobody ever told me i was pretty when i was little except i think my grandparents and probably my parents um i didn't believe myself to be pretty and then when i got to high school i i magically transformed from this really really skinny like all elbows and knees scrawny glasses braces total nerd (laughs) to Apparently, pretty. I got contacts and my braces came off, and my teeth are still amazing. Thank you to my orthodontist. I don't remember his name anymore. And I had long hair for the first time in my life, and it was just the magical combination. Oh, and I was still skinny. So it was the magical combination that equals pretty, according to society. And that was a powerful elixir that really, really kind of hijacked my my ego for sure um i don't think i was ever rude to anyone because i hadn't i had not felt pretty as a little girl i don't think i was that kind of like snobby rude pretty but it just felt so good to be called pretty oh my gosh it felt so good and i really feel like my spiritual side took like not just a backseat but it was kind of in the trunk for several years um and it was like boyfriends and pretty And friends that were all like in the front seat. Probably boyfriend that was driving. Kind of sad. Anyway, it is what it is. But I was very romantic, very creative, artistic, very right-brained. I was such a dreamer. I had a, a very keen interest in astrology. It made a lot of sense to me. I, part of being right-brained, I think, is being able to understand um, personality differences and subtleties and nuances in people. And I think astrology, one of its great benefits is that it is a beautiful and accurate system to articulate the, the um, categorize and articulate different types of personalities that exist through like archetypes and symbols and things like that and the combinations that can occur anyway astrology is an amazing beautiful magical language and that i suppose was my saving grace probably in high school um, that kept me tuned into my spiritual side and like the cosmos in general i Felt a lot of pressure to go to university. I was um, I had good grades and But I was not I don't know I I I Did not have an interest in academics, but I had good enough grades My parents were both elementary school teachers and they had both gone to university and it was just sort of like, you know, the accepted belief from all of the adults in that world in the education system that you're best bet for happiness and satisfaction in life is to go to university especially if you're intelligent like college was like second rate so university was the premium and then you get a degree and you get a career and that is like the highest thing you can aspire to like talk about mediocre aspirations If that is something, I'm just going to say this disclaimer, if that's something that called to you and you literally love your career and the path it took to get there was university or college and then the career and you love the career you're in, again, I mean no shade to you at all or disrespect to your path. It was more the one size fits all kind of idea that was was put forth to us at the time. In my group my peer group that that's you know that's the most you can aspire to like i looked around and i had no entrepreneurial expanders nobody no examples of like what it means to be creative and go into business for yourself and to take those terrifying leaps and you know rub two sticks together and make fire really Anyway, so I didn't want to go to university. I had big dreams for myself. I didn't exactly know what they were, but I had, I had a very entrepreneurial spirit, but no know-how at all. And, and I felt like I had no guidance in that department and no support for that, that path. So I went to university. Um, and I think that was the, the real dawning of my spiritual awakening journey. I went to a school that my dad went to, which was pretty cool. It was like a French campus um for a university in toronto and I met some cool people there and I lived with my b f f nancy she's awesome I love her and um it was i think it was just enough freedom to really like I was outside of my small town and outside of the structures that I was used to, that sort of like contained my wild spirit. And suddenly I was in a position to start questioning things to the extent that I wanted to. And then my university went on a strike that lasted for months. Months! So here I was, and we had no idea when it was going to you know, end and classes would resume, so... And we were paying for residence, so i just stayed on campus with nancy and lived with my best friend and we listened to a lot of music chiefly the beastie boys we were obsessed and smoked a lot of weed as one does and really just had all this time and space to really get to know ourselves which was like such an incredible blessing super stressful for my parents i know and it was around that time being being in the city and surrounded by so many people especially when i i would go on public transit and go downtown where the population was more densely packed i realized how empathic i was i was so sensitive to people's energies the city felt so overwhelming to me and i couldn't put my finger on it because i had not really realized that about myself before I knew I was sensitive because, like, one of my favorite things to watch as a kid was the World Vision, like, half-hour program, you know, tugging at your heartstrings for um, sponsorship of children in living in horrible poverty in third-world countries. Like, I loved that show <laughs> because it just made, I don't know, I knew the world was a bigger place, I knew people were suffering, and I, it just moved my little leo moon heart and made and filled me with big dreams of philanthropy one day so i knew i was sensitive to people but i really really did not really understand what that meant and that that was one of my psychic superpowers until i got to the city and I was so overwhelmed it it I felt like it brought me to my knees and I would often need to go and hide out in my room the campus we were on was like quite tucked away in Toronto um off the beaten path and it was on like this beautiful piece of land that had been a like a tree I don't know what you would call it not a tree sanctuary but Anyway, they had a collection of rare trees on the property. So it was really beautiful and I felt um, like my energy could be protected there. But I had had never heard of being grounded. I had never heard of like energetic or spiritual protection. I had no idea why I was feeling so anxious, so sad, so self-conscious. Like all the feelings, all the overwhelming feelings and what to do about it I just I just felt absolutely shaken and like my my energies were paper thin I don't I'm not a strong clear audience so I wasn't hearing people's thoughts but it's like I could I could walk by someone and if I it it just felt like if I caught a look at someone just for a second even if I didn't make eye contact with them I could know why they were sad I could feel how sad they were and I could know why and then it was gone in a flash like the knowing but the sadness lingered and I mean as far as I knew I was just crazy like I nobody else in my life except Nancy and our other BFF Chantal nobody else was talking about this stuff in my life if I I felt like if I ever tried to talk about it with other people I just got looked at like I had two heads and you know it like i suppose that's probably why my big shadowy thing is being seen as a flaky crazy hippie because i felt like the the general message was like you are crazy and you live in la la land and come back down to earth so needless to say i was overwhelmed and also pretty lost and untethered because I had no structure i my school was in strike so i had no um like no purpose nothing no reason to get up by a certain time in the day i got a part-time job but it was like at the second cup in the evenings the local coffee shop in the evenings so it maybe helped anchor me a tiny little bit but i don't really think so um i just i felt like a tiny little rudderless anchorless lifeboat adrift in a vast infinite ocean of consciousness and I couldn't see the shore I didn't know what the fuck I just I didn't know what was up I didn't know what was down I was looking around at what other people were doing and I could see that the the path that was had been presented to me. I mean, I saw this before I even went to university, but I could see even more clearly that the the people who followed, you know, like high school, college or university, career, relationship, marriage, children, house, like all that that all, and then la 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 la. Hopefully, you live long enough for retirement that whole picture to me i could see that it did not equate happiness not to say that people who who were on that path were all unhappy certainly not some people are very happy on that path but that path doesn't mean destination happiness which was the messaging i was receiving at the time and you know, it is what it is. I don't hold a grudge against anyone. That is just, that was people trying to give us the best advice based on their life experiences so far and genuinely wanting us to succeed and be safe and happy. So no, no grudge there. But I could just see that, that one plus one, in fact, did not equal two, basically. And not only that, but I knew I was meant for something bigger. And by bigger, I mean that I had I, it was comes back to that mission i knew i had a mission i remembered it but i couldn't imagine how it would play out but i knew there was something in me that needed to be shared and you know i thought am i supposed to be a singer should i be famous what like i didn't i didn't know how it would play out but i knew that trying to get my French studies degree and then go to school to be a teacher which was the you know the plan that I had was not using my gifts and it was not in alignment with my mission and that feeling just thinking about it felt so scrunched up and small and like squeezed into a tiny little container that didn't fit but Like, I was freaking 18, 19. How do you articulate this to the adults in your life without them looking at you like you're a fucking fool? You don't. That's how. Well, I didn't. Anyway, I could not figure out how to articulate it, and I probably sounded like a complete lunatic to them. Anyhow, that was the point where I started to really feel like a misfit, um, especially when The time came to choose whether or not to continue with my degree after that year was up. And I decided, no, I wasn't going to. Much to the extreme stress and dismay of my parents, especially my mom. I I really felt like a misfit. I I started to feel like I could barely even... I could barely even do small talk with people. Uh, I felt so hyper self-aware that i and aware of other people and aware of the things that were being said energetically you know the things that don't come out in words but are there nonetheless like those big you know giant pink elephants in the room that i i just couldn't seem to function i couldn't like the idea of getting a job was i just didn't know how And I did work, but I mean, I wasn't supporting myself. I I was always working at like minimum wage jobs at the time and um, getting a lot of help from my parents and grandparents who were just hoping that their, you know, their mess of an oldest daughter slash granddaughter would get her shit together and come back down to earth and, you know, just carry on with the plan. And that was hard too. It was really being aware of the expectations that my my family had for me and also I think some of that expectation of like you you know, when your community has expectations too and then your you know your parents are like, you know, they run into somebody at the grocery store and they're like, Oh, how are things? And blah blah blah. Oh, how's Amy doing? And they can't say. Amy's doing great, she's really enjoying school, she's getting amazing grades, you know, she's this is what her plan... Like, that's, that's all people want to be able to say. They really don't know how to say, like, oh, you know, she's dropping out of school and smoking weed every day, I think. If they even knew that, I don't know. And listening to a lot of Beastie Boys and going through something... That we don't understand like it's just so I could feel all that pressure too and I could feel how I was disappointing the expectations of people who really loved me and really were there for me and that was very hard that that was very hard on my self-worth um, so I left school and had no idea where i was going or what i was doing i just knew that school wasn't the right fit and that it would not be a good idea for my parents to continue spending money on it or for me to take out loans for it until i knew what i really wanted to do and i still think that was a really brilliant choice and um i guess the best <laughs> the best fallback plan i had at the time i used to say that being a bum was my fallback plan which sounds really um trivializing of the experience of being homeless and that's a horrible experience and and so awful for the people who are living through that who have lived or who have lived through that and I'm sorry that my 19 year old self kind of made a, a trivial joke of it but it was my way of saying that like I had no fucking fallback plan get off my back I'm just gonna I'm I'm just concerned about being alive right now and Figuring out why being alive feels so intense and why it looks like nobody else around me except for my two closest friends are also like, No one else. No one else is feeling this way And and also I should say that Nancy and Chantal were really struggling too So on one hand it was really great to feel like I wasn't totally alone But but we still felt alone the three of us felt very alone in in this we had each other but it really felt like who there's nobody else. everybody else seems to be able to fucking function why what the hell is wrong with me I used to be normal anyway so after that really intense year where my first um, you know real conscious spiritual awakening started to happen Nancy found us this job at Deerhurst Resort in Muskoka Ontario which is an incredibly beautiful place it was a seasonal job as room attendants at this um lovely five five star resort and so we went there and we first lived in this little shit cabin with legitimately no plumbing in an outhouse (laughs) and shared a bed it was hilarious and like so ghetto and then the the landlord was a real estate woman and they were charging us four hundred dollars a month for like somewhere with no indoor plumbing, which at the time was a lot of money, I'm just saying. That's like, I don't know, probably like getting charged $1,000 a month right now for a cabin with no plumbing. Anyway, we we were working at Deerhurst, and I think this was my first time working A, full time, and B, working really, really hard, and it was super good for me. It it helped to rebuild my self-esteem a little bit and gave me a sense of purpose, and I learned that actually, I really love cleaning. I have my Mars in Virgo in the sixth house. So yeah, I actually really love cleaning and take a lot of joy in seeing a place be cleaned by my magical skills. So the main thing about Muskoka and that little period of my life is that it's like the universe gave me this gift that to to reassure me that I am not alone, I am not crazy, the universe is magic as fuck and to keep believing. I met the most incredible soulmates while I was in Muskoka. I, I cannot, there just aren't words for how beautiful and magical these people are. They're salt of the earth people. And, but I, I don't know, how do I explain it? I was able to openly have conversations with these people I had never met before about, you know, life and love and philosophy and spirit and magic and, you know, just everything that was already on my mind without feeling like I needed to censor myself in any way. And yet at the same time, we were totally just a bunch of like 19, 20 year olds, getting drunk and occasionally smoking weed and you know going out on the lake and walking in the woods and whatever just being being young people but it felt so amazing to not have to hide any part of myself to just be able to authentically relate to people it was uh, there are no words it was truly a beautiful time and like just as an example one of the people that i met there russell he used to say and mind you he was like 20 years old at the time he's so wise he he asked me if i'd ever had a perfect moment and i was like what are you talking about and he said you know a moment where you just stop and look around you and everything is perfect and i like nobody had ever really spoken to me like that before Like, I was like, yeah, I know what you mean. Yes, I know what you mean. It was just so beautiful to meet somebody else who was at that level of consciousness. And then also, we had some weird things happen there, too. Like, one time we were all up at this rock, and out of nowhere, through the woods, came Russell's. Doppelganger, but his future self it was like it was like sixty year old Russell walked through the woods and encountered us and knew it was us, knew it was his younger self like knew he was walking into his own past timeline and kind of made like a weird comment, and then just kept going and it was it was totally wild. I know that sounds made up, but it's not it it happened, and another weird Mandela effect happened at the time, so I met i I encounter, no, I ran into a guy there who was also working at Deerhurst Resort who was from my small town who I'd grown up with. And he came and approached me and started talking to me because he knew me from back home. And, you know, we just made some small talk, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was in the, the lunch staff room at Deerhurst and then, you know, that was it. Then he went back to doing his maintenance job or whatever. And I went back to cleaning resort rooms. And then years later, probably like five years later, I ran into him again, somewhere else altogether, and was just chatting with him. And then I asked him how long he stayed at Deerhurst for after that. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, At Deerhurst, like, how long did you stay there? And he was like, what is Deerhurst? And I was like, you know that resort that we worked at together where we ran into each other? And he was like, I've never worked there. And he wasn't lying to me. (laughs) It was just, I was like, what? (laughs) But you did because we talked. And, like, there are witnesses to us having a conversation. I don't understand what's happening right now. So I've decided that it was a mandala effect. It was just a different, it was an alternate timeline and it happened on one timeline and now we exist when we ran into each other elsewhere, we were existing on another timeline and that's how my brain has reconciled that. Anyway, so we stayed at Deerhurst for 5 months and it was beautiful, magical and glorious and then our contract ended in October at the end of October <clears throat> and we Nancy and I had been there together and we decided to move back to Toronto because that's where her older sister lived and she just figured I really wanted to go to the south of France where my aunt lived that seemed to me like the best option um and the most exciting and the most fun but Nancy was like no no let's like let's move to Toronto it's way closer and Sue lives there and we can get jobs and blah blah blah. So I didn't have the nerve to move to France on my own, and I followed Nancy to Toronto, and um, I just it it was really hard. The summer in Muskoka had been so magical and beautiful, and I felt so understood. And you know, it was so nice to have a group of friends. That then to move to Toronto, I felt again really surrounded by people and energies that I didn't didn't, I understood a little bit better, but I didn't know how to control. And furthermore, it was like going into the dark period of the year. And I, at the time did not know how to navigate that and be okay in it. And it, I just started spiraling down, down, down. I got so deeply depressed. So, so, so depressed. I started making bad, reckless choices I I mean I'm not going to go deeply into detail about it but I just I really struggled. I I had suicidal thoughts and started um to have reckless dif- disregard for life because I felt like I was walking through a dream anyways like it wasn't Being alive didn't really feel real to me. I was so ungrounded. Um, I also developed some kind of allergic reaction to, I believe, I don't know, but I think it was to the chemicals, the intense, harsh cleaning chemicals that we used. And I had like all this raw skin on my face, above my upper lip and on my face. So, you know, whereas in high school I had felt really pretty, Um, and that, that felt good. And it was a nice shelter for my ego. I no longer felt pretty. I put on some weight. I just didn't feel cute or pretty or healthy. I, I mean, when I say all this, I feel like now compared to the things I've lived through since then, it feels ridiculous to me that I was having suicidal thoughts and having a a reckless disregard for life because I'm like oh boo-hoo Amy you didn't feel pretty you didn't know what you were doing with your life like you felt like you had no friends and it was the winter and you were 20 years old like get it together but at the time I mean I didn't have the life experience under my belt that I do now to put it into context it just felt the way it felt you know like it, it really felt really bad I didn't understand what was going on I felt like just a couple of years before that I had been you know thinking about going to university for acting I loved being like on stage and believed that I could perform um which I should go back and say, I chose the French program over acting because it seemed like a better, stable career choice. And I think that really led to my depression as well. Anyway, so I felt like I had, you know, opportunities, like I was prettier, I was thinner, those, you know, those measuring sticks that we use to validate ourselves and define our worth that are, are they mean literally nothing but when you're 20 you, you really feel like they mean something i felt like i again i didn't know up from down i didn't have any friends in toronto it was dark all the time it was cold i was so lonely oh my god i was so lonely it was just a really rough period and as we moved, as we moved into the spring, I don't know, I just survived the winter. Somehow I survived the winter. I got a a part-time job and I just, I managed to get through. I just kept waking up and going to work and breathing and all that stuff, you know? Um, and I, I, honestly, I have to give credit to my family because, even though they still probably felt like WTF, Amy, what is even happening with you? <laughs> Literally what is going on? They, just their simple existence and the fact that I grew up in a household where I felt safe and, you know, like I, I had that kind of foundation, I, I really think is what kept me from making horrendously destructive choices and I have so much respect and profound love and empathy and compassion for people who did not have that kind of foundation and who either had neglect in their childhood or outright abuse cruelty anything where they as kids they didn't feel like they belonged to try and navigate the world when you got the message that there was something wrong with you or you didn't belong, or you were annoying, or what, like whatever whatever horrible, incorrect message you received, it, it's an incredible feat, and you should be proud of yourself every fucking day, no matter what you achieve, no matter what you achieve, the fact that you can navigate this crazy world with that kind of beginning. Is an incredible feat of bravery and strength, and I just want to say that. So, so I managed to get through that winter, and um, we moved to a bigger apartment in the spring, and I started using oracle cards, um, Brian Froud's Fairy Oracle to to do frequent um pulls i i bought it for nancy for her birthday and then i just used them all the time and i still have them in my possession right now love you dance. um so i kind of got really interested in magic and interested in wicca but wicca has never been the right fit for me and like i i you know tried some spell work during that year but spells just didn't, they're not my, they are a tool that doesn't feel natural to me. Um, I know they work for people and I totally believe in them, but it just, it didn't work for me, but I tried it anyway. And I guess in that year, I learned that finding the magic really helps me to get through the darkness. The Oracle cards really worked for me though, and I was amazed at the incredible accuracy. And they gave me such a shift in my perspective that allowed me to navigate my feelings so well. And I also realized at the time I started keeping a journal and just having it with me all the time and writing in my journal every day all the time. I also realized that, you know, even though I was going through this really, really, really hard period of sadness and feeling like a total weirdo, like, you know, fuck up who couldn't for some reason couldn't function in the world all that stuff I also was acquiring a lot of wisdom and I was um, I was much more inward because I didn't have the energy to be extroverted and outward but because of that I was observing a lot I was really observing and that that observation of humanity in the world and patterns and whatever really gave me a lot of wisdom to draw on and it, it honestly felt like wisdom it felt like a continuation of wisdom that I had already acquired in previous lifetimes I I remember feeling actually like that was one one part of myself that I was really proud of even though I don't think I said it a lot out loud um but I felt like I may not be a lot of things, but I'm really wise, especially for my age. And I think the reason I didn't say it out loud is because it wasn't really translating into external results of success according to society's standards of success. So I was afraid that if I claimed myself to be wise, um, that I would be ridiculed. And, you know, like, how can you be wise when you like literally work a shitty part time minimum wage job and you need your parents to help you? cover your food and you know you're basically a loser and a piece of shit and you haven't made use of any of the opportunities available to you you know what I mean so I couldn't I didn't feel like I could own that about myself and it just got it it was just one more thing to add to the secret self that I that I secretly was on the inside that I felt like I couldn't show to the world. So later on, um, while I was still living in Toronto, but kind of as that was winding down, I, I met my soulmate, who is the father of my oldest child. And that was really it's a really hard relationship for me to talk about because it was very, very intense and codependent and unhealthy and painful for both of us, extremely painful for both of us and has had lifelong ramifications in part because we have a son together. Um, but also because I, I deeply love and respect this person and, um, you know, it was just hard. It's hard to, to love somebody and for it to just not be a relationship that's supposed to go on through your whole life, but to love them to that extent and to look back and be like, Oh fuck, we were so toxic together. Anyway, I met my soulmate and, um, my romantic soulmate, my first romantic soulmate, and the the primary area in which we bonded was well, we had a deep recognition of each other. I I don't know our past life history. I'll talk about that later, um, but I do know that we've I I know that we've spent lives together, or known each other in multiple lives. Let's put it that way. But in this life, we we bonded our connection was was based on the fact that we were both feeling this this sense of like complete disillusionment in the world no idea how to articulate it to people very dominated by our emotions you know not like function not even functioning well functioning if you can call it that translating our experience of life through beliefs and concepts that were not grounded at all and we recognized that in each other and it magically suddenly felt again like I wasn't I wasn't alone it it felt so good at first to be like Like we just reflected that back to each other so perfectly. We mirrored each other's shit so perfectly. And it was a beautiful feeling to be like, oh my God, you get me and I get you. And no matter who thinks we're crazy, we know that we're not crazy. Or if we are, we're crazy together. It was that kind of, you know, like definitely influenced by Romeo and Juliet, like that sort of star-crossed. Lovers' bad outcome kind of feeling, anyway, and leading up to meeting him, I had this intense prophetic dream, so this was the part of my life where a prophetic dream started happening. I had this intense prophetic dream that I'm just checking how long I've been running here. Oh my God, it's been almost an hour, okay, this intense prophetic dream that you know I met him, and the the way that it went oh my gosh hold on I'm gonna pause this and I'm gonna actually go and see if I have what I wrote down at the time okay I found the actual entry it was from March 28th 2003 and I'm gonna read it even though (laughs) I clearly had just woken up so anyway I just had this crazy long dream it lasted a few hours in reality time. Side note in brackets, this is not in my journal entry, but um, it, was, it was really crazy because I would wake up through parts of it and then fall back asleep and it would just resume where it left off, which, you know, doesn't happen very often for me anyways in dreams. Okay, And brackets. This is the dream from my journal. I lived with my family in this apartment of sorts, 40 stories high in a big tree, We were the only ones living in this tree, and everything was very happy. Our apartment only had walls in some places and some holes in the floor. It was not a very safe or logical building plan. Everything was very happy until the incident with our dog happened. I don't remember exactly, but somehow there was another large beast in our house, aside from our big, wonderful dog named Owen. As a side note in my, in my journal, I wrote, he was a St. Bernard chocolate lab mix, very soft, very furry, mostly brown, with big, deep eyes. I don't recall if we felt at all threatened by the beast, but what I do remember is Owen, the dog, and the beast chasing each other or something and getting tangled in a big, long cord. Anyway, eventually the beast somehow fell out of our apartment 40 stories, and I realized that Owen was going to go down with him because of the cord. So I scrambled to untangle the cords with the kind of franticness that, it were, that if it were my sister or father or best friend, but it was all in vain, he fell. That scenario played itself over in the dream at least two other times. One time I tried to grab his paws as though they were hands and looked right into his eyes, A very real, meaningful moment. But he fell. The third time, I knew it was all in vain, and I just watched in a calmish sort of misery. He fell. Forty stories. We figured they were both dead, but it turned out that Owen was alive, although the beast was dead, though in horrifying condition. A lot of time passed with much surgery, although that was not a focus, and he recovered to be a little gimpy, though. We had this party that, at the time, I figured was a celebration for Owen's miraculous recovery. I don't know. Anyway, I started slow dancing with Owen, the dog. But in my eyes, literally in my eyes, he was human. When I looked at him, I saw a beautiful dark blonde boy with deep, honest hazel eyes rimmed with thick brown lashes. But what was more important than looks was the feeling of this bond between us deep knowing and understanding of each other, accompanied by the strongest gratitude I've ever felt. I thought I'd lost him, but he was not gone after all. It was like I was so in love with Owen, so completed by his existence, that I want, that I wanted in that moment nothing more than to marry him. Even if he was a dog, I didn't care, because I didn't see a dog at all. Okay, so that was the dream. <coughs> that probably sounds kind of mundane, but it was pretty crazy and intense because it really was absolutely prophetic of, um, the, the relationship that I had with my soulmate. Um, that was definitely him that describes what he actually looks like in real life. I mean, not a dog obviously, but with, like in my dream, when I saw him as a a dark blonde boy with beautiful hazel eyes brimmed with thick lashes, um, that's, That's him to a T. And anyway, the feeling, more importantly, the feeling was the same feeling I had with him. And we had a really challenging relationship and out of respect for him, I'm not going to go into the details at all, but it was a really, really difficult breakup and we loved each other and we didn't want to not be together, but we couldn't be together because we were not a healthy couple. And didn't have the tools to be a healthy couple especially given that we were so young and um, it really was like we you know there there was something bigger than us that kind of caused that took him down and no matter how hard I tried to rescue him from that process it was not I couldn't do it and Um, We tried to get back together at a certain point, and it was the same thing. It was like that replay in my dream of this scenario where I tried a different tactic, but it didn't work. And then the third time, just like in my dream, I knew that there was nothing I could do about it. I just had to let him go and let him be on his trajectory and just, just love him, but let him fall. And, uh, anyway, that was pretty intense. And I started having a whole bunch of prophetic dreams at that time. They're too, I don't know, you know, when somebody tries to describe their dreams to you and it's like, unless it's featuring you, you don't really care. I'm not going to make you listen to all of my dreams. But the point is that I would have a lot of dreams that would then like shortly thereafter be Um, Demonstrated in real life a lot of the times they were fairly mundane events, but not mundane in my life They were very meaningful in my life but Anyway, it wasn't like I was having dreams about somebody getting in a car accident and dying And then they actually got in a car accident and died that it wasn't like that It was more like people I would meet or things that would happen to me Um, And that only served to make me feel crazier to be honest but at the same time, guided. So it was a really, it was a very confusing time. I, at that point, decided that I wanted to pursue a little bit of um, my artistic side. And I decided to enroll in a program, a three-month certificate in drawing and painting in Halliburton, Ontario. Beautiful Halliburton. Um, so I went there to do that at that same time when I was 21. And again, I met some incredible, incredible, beautiful, magical people. Um, just like in Muskoka, some of whom are continued to be my lifelong friends and sorry, I'm going to cough. I really apologize. Hold on. Let me see if I can pause this first. Okay. I coughed. So, so I went to Halliburton and when i got to Halliburton and met these people i had the most intense ongoing experience of deja vu that went on for weeks without ending it was like constantly walking through a dream where everything was as though i had seen it before it was wild i have never experienced anything like that since even though i've experienced amazing amazing magical things But that was truly, like it was sustained over weeks. And the result of that was I felt like truly crazy, truly crazy. I had just met these people for the first time and yet I felt as though I had known them for eternity. But not on a soul level. Like I had literally been there doing those things, seeing them, interacting with them before Like, this was all totally familiar, and it wasn't the first time I was experiencing this. Yeah, it made me feel crazy. And I, as a result of feeling crazy and feeling like I was literally walking through a dream 100% of the time, I started cutting myself with um, X-Acto knives that I had for school for um, collage making and arting, and i wasn't doing it it for, for me it wasn't self-loathing it wasn't um bo- any kind of body shame or feeling like i deserved to suffer it was like a combination of it was like a more extreme version of pinching myself where if i cut myself and saw myself bleed It felt like, okay, I am alive. I'm alive and it's not a dream. My blood is red. It float it like things are happening according to the rules of life as I know them. So I'm awake and I'm alive. Mm -hmm. And then it was also because I was having so much anxiety and adrenaline because of how trippy this weeks long deja vu was. That I felt I it just felt like too much energy was trapped in my body and it was like a way of venting it out and releasing it so for a few months there I was cutting myself but I and I I mean I started to feel really crazy about it where I like Started to see the scars as really beautiful. I still bear some of those scars and I started thinking that I should like cut my face and Um, like ritually scar my face like I was really having a hard time with my experience of reality (sighs) it's kind of hard to say that out loud um, to like a whole bunch of people potentially who may or may not listen to this but um the after a few months of that it it felt really good but it's like I knew I was really lucky and I knew that continuing to do that was not helping me it felt good and it brought me back it was like my first attempt at grounding I didn't know how to do do grounding in the more subtle ways so this was my like really insane extreme version of grounding and that part felt good but I knew that it wasn't going to lead me anywhere that I wanted to go that if I kept going with this kind of behavior it would start to lose its effectiveness and its potency and I would have to up the ante in order to get that same Feeling that I was after and that it would really only lead me deeper into a direction of darkness and fear and craziness and instability and so I made up my mind to stop doing it and it was as simple as that and yet of course it was really hard because um, you get a chemical release whenever whenever you do something that feels good and when you're kind of desperate that chemical release feels like uh, almighty and very important and so I made up my mind to stop doing it and I I did simply stop doing it but it was difficult to stop I'm really proud of myself though that I, I was able to stop doing it and um, lots of love to anybody out there who is is cutting just consider stopping it's not going to take you where you want to go so at the same time Um, I was having, also I was receiving, I started for the first time receiving insight from spirit about the workings of the universe. So a couple of examples that really stick out to me um, are like when I, one time I was walking in my small town at night by myself and I suddenly received this vision of circles. I'm gonna try my best to describe it, but it's super abstract and hard to describe. So suddenly it was like a bolt of lightning through the crown of my head. And I saw this um, vast white blank space and then it was full of circles of all sizes, like absolutely tiny minute circles and massively huge circles and everything in between on all scales in between and the circles were themselves moving in circles as though they, they were moving in circles and then carving out a path like an orbit that was a circle. Circles, moving in circles, orbiting in circles. And then I, I zoomed in to the line that created like the larger circles and saw that those were even tinier circles on tight little circling orbits that was creating what looked like the line of the, that, you know, delineated a larger circle. I hope this is translating to somebody. (laughs) I'm sorry for the way that I'm not able to explain it, but basically, and then, and then I would pan out and see that it just went on and on and on forever. And that was a message from the universe. It, It came in on its own, unbidden, um through Through my crown, and it was a message from the universe, letting me know the scale at which we exist. Another um, insight to the way the universe works that I received around the same time was um, a vision it was the same it just dropped unbidden through my crown Um, and i'm primarily clairvoyant and claircognizant which means that i see i perceive things as imagery my third eye is very very active Um, and uh, it's accompanied by a knowing without being able to explain how i know i just know what it means so i received through my crown Um, an imagery of like like a tremendous massive beautiful ball of energy and I understood this to be like the all the the totality of consciousness I don't even know there aren't words for it you know it's, it's like the everything God if you want source if you want whatever and off of that i saw um like offshoots kind of like corona coming off of the sun and um or or um sun rays like it, it's just it was light emanating off of that you know totality and i understood that to be a spirit it's like an our spirit an an extension of the totality and then off of spirit came these tiny ephemeral sparks like little um sparks and embers off of a fire they would just like flash out and flicker and then fade out and I understood that to be our lives so Um, it's like that our soul is part of the whole thing. We are literally part of the whole thing and we emanate off of the whole thing like beautiful rays and that's our soul, our spirit and it feels individual and yet it's not because we are of the same source (laughs) and then our little tiny lives in whatever dimension whatever realm whatever planet our little lives are like those flickering embers brief and ephemeral but bright lights and then it all the energy returns back to source so this was before i had read, any, read anything like that anything about that i received that information and then later i was reading conversations with god like maybe a year later and that there was a very similar explanation in that book and I felt totally validated, which was an amazing feeling. But I believe that my higher self and spirit gave me these insights so that I could understand more about the universe that I'm navigating and remember who I really am within it. And I'm gonna leave it there because this is a really and long episode. If you've made it with me to the end, then you're amazing and bless your heart. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for traveling with me through this part of the journey. Um, I totally forgot a really important piece that came a little bit before this, but I'm going to save it for the next episode. I can't believe I forgot it. It's essential. Um, But stay tuned for episode two, where I'm going to talk about who my savior truly was (laughs) and has been for years. And I'm going to talk about my first pregnancy and birth and motherhood experience with the incredible advanced soul that is my oldest son and how that contributed to my spiritual awakening as well. There's lots of good psychic stuff to come. Like I said, I really hope that in listening to this, you hear some parts of yourself. I hope that you feel validated. A lot of my story I feel is like really sensational and exciting well, it was for me to live through and yet totally mundane. Um, and I hope that if you feel like your story is not sensational and exciting enough to be valid, that in hearing my story, you feel a little bit like, oh yeah, my story is legit. Truly writing out and articulating my spiritual awakening story for the first time a couple of years ago Was probably one of the biggest steps um, in this direction of really owning my shit and being ready to step into all of my power. So, if this has inspired you, I totally encourage you to try doing that for yourself. You don't have to share it with anyone, um, but you can share it with me if you want. But reading your or writing out or recording your spiritual awakening story, I think will really help you to. Honor what you've been through and honor the magic in your own journey. Yeah, it's been a really powerful thing for me. So I invite you to try it if you feel inspired to do so. Anyway, like I said, thank you so much for listening. Please, if you enjoyed this, please, please, please give me a rating. If you really enjoyed it, you can write me a review. Um, If you really, really enjoy it, you can subscribe and then you will get. Um, automatically notified of all the new episodes that are released and if you know somebody else who might benefit from hearing a spiritual awakening story or who might like the content of this podcast then please 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 share also if you enjoyed this consider taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it in your instagram stories or your facebook stories and tagging me so that i know you're watching that would mean the whole world to me but most of all, above all, whether you give any, anything back to me, I just really hope that this gives something to you. I love you all, all my brothers and sisters on this wild human spiritual journey. And I will connect with you next time. Peace and love. Take care.